0: Welcome to my podcast, this series is a series I preached at Christchurch Hemel uh, over the last few weeks on the characteristics of God, these are things that God says about himself in the Bible. So the whole point was to get people to know and worship God all the more, I hope you find them useful, let me know. So thinking about what God is like, that might seem like quite a simple task in some ways, But the Bible describes God as one who is far beyond our understanding, as one whose thoughts no one can fathom. So my hope over the next few weeks is to let God's description of himself here in the Bible wash over us and allow us to bathe in its sheer description of what God is like. And the aim of that should be to worship God all the more, to see who he really is and why he deserves our praise and worship. And actually, if we're not moved to worship in light of what we see, well, something's gone a bit wrong. So this evening we're in Isaiah 40, and you've already hopefully seen some of those things I've just mentioned. We'll focus in on what God is like from here this evening, especially the description in verse 28, right at the end of verse 28, his understanding no one can fathom. So to summarise, here comes the tricky word. We're going to see that God is incomprehensible. There's a definition there on the screen behind me. I'm going to say it. Incomprehensible means we cannot, we cannot have a complete or exhaustive knowledge of God. Or in simpler terms, we cannot fully know God. Maybe that shocked you. Well, I was trying to give some thought to that this week, how this works. And I came across a number of questions that show us our level of understanding, are you ready? Let me share those with you. You can tell a man that there are 400 billion stars and he'll believe you, but if you tell him that a bench has some wet paint on it, he's gonna touch it, why? Why are hamburgers called hamburgers when they're made out of beef? Why doesn't glue stick to the inside of a bottle? Why isn't there mouse-flavored cat food? Why are there five syllables in the word monosyllabic? When two airplanes nearly collide, why do they call it a near miss rather than a near hit? Why are they called apartments when they're stuck together? Why are they called buildings when they're already finished? Shouldn't they be called built? If the black box flight recorder of an airplane is damaged, is, can't be damaged during a plane crash, well, why isn't the whole plane made out of that stuff? There's many questions in our world, many questions more important than those silly ones, But that silly example just shows us that we are limited, limited in what we know, limited in our minds. Our minds are finite, not infinite. And in comparison, well, what does God say about himself in Isaiah 40? It blows our teeny minds, doesn't it? So God is incomprehensible. Have a look at verses 12 to 14. And just think about those things there for a moment. verses 12 to 14. You see, all of those descriptions, all of those measurements are measurements that we would use. You seen that? So let me, let me compare us. Are you ready? You can hold a few drops of water in your hand. What does Isaiah say? God holds all the oceans. You can measure a few inches. God measures the heavens. We can fill our shopping baskets with a, full, a few items. Well, God gets the whole dust of the earth in his. We use scales to measure large, at least if we bake. Well, God uses the scales to measure the mountains. You can go on and on and on. God is far beyond us. And just to drive that home, you hit Verse 17. Before him, all the nations are as nothing. They're regarded by him as worthless, as less than nothing. Less than nothing. The United States and Russia combined are nothing before God. Great Britain, well, not even great before the maker of the universe. And if that's the case, if that's true, one thing that comes out of that is why are we afraid of the world? If we really believe that God is bigger than everything else, well, why do we fear what Putin or Trump is going to do tomorrow? Why do we worry about the effects that Brexit's going to have on our country? We're carrying on with Isaiah 40, and you get to verse 18. With whom, then, will you compare God? To what image will you liken him? Well, we've just had some pictures above, surely, haven't we? But no, even those aren't good enough. God isn't just a superman. He's not just some exalted creature from another planet, like some religions believe. No, you see, God can't be compared to anything. To compare him to an idol, as it carries on doing there, is just laughable. To think he's like anything else, anything that we know, is a mockery. Verse 25 says it again. To whom will you compare me? Or who is my equal, says the Holy One. The answer? No No one. Nothing. Nada. Even your best ideas about God are utterly incomparable to what he's like. Have you ever thought that? We've mentioned verse 28 already, but have a look at that again. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary. And his understanding no one can fathom. His understanding no one can fathom. He is incomparable to anything else we know. Even our best idea of what he's like isn't good enough. God is far beyond us. He is incomprehensible. No one can understand his understanding. No one can grasp him completely. Is that your view of God? Is that the God that you worship? Well, let's turn that around for a moment. If that was not true, what would we miss? If God was comprehensible, the opposite of incomprehensible, if we could know everything about him, well, would that be an issue? Well, yes. Yes, that would be an issue. If we think about it for a moment, it would mean that we're better than God. Think about it, literally think about it for a moment. If you could know everything there is to know about God, well, then your mind is enough to hold that and so much more. You'd be the one who's greater because God could fit in your head. You could put him into a metaphorical box and put a label on it. There you go, God, that part of my brain. Oh, I want my home for dinner over here. And I reckon a lot of people think that way, whether they'd admit it or not. That's a challenge to all of us. I reckon that in our particular sphere of churches, we might be particularly prone to that. Thinking that we can know everything about God because we, we focus in on what the Bible says. So let me put it plainly, if you think you've got God sussed, if you think you've understood God, if you think everything about God makes complete sense to you, you've got the wrong God. Have a look at those questions again in verses 12 to 14, making you flick these pages around. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? Or with the breadth of his hand marked off the heavens? Who has held the dust of the earth in a basket? Or weighed the mountains on the scales and the hills in a balance? Who can fathom the spirit of the Lord or instruct the Lord as his counsellor? Whom did the Lord consult to enlighten him? And who taught him the right way? Who was it that taught him knowledge or showed him the path of understanding? As one author puts it, if you can come up with answers to those questions for the God that you worship, you've got the wrong God. If you can put God in a box and apply a label to him in your mind, you've got the wrong God. That speaks to many of the false groups today. Last Sunday we were thinking about Jehovah's Witnesses, weren't we? Well, they pride themselves in being able to fully understand God. So they reject anything that doesn't make sense to them. Another false group, Christadelphians. Well, they believe that God can be reasoned. That everything can be worked out through logic so you can understand God completely. Actually, even closer to home, false teachers within the church can be found teaching that God is just a bigger version of us. I think, actually, that's a big issue behind a lot of people's people's problems with God. Why do I say that? Well, have you ever heard someone say something like, I can't understand how a good God would allow suffering? You heard that before? Well, they're implying that they know better, don't they? And that God is comprehensible. That's what they're saying, isn't it? I don't want to belittle that is actually a serious issue to talk about, but that is what we're saying, isn't it? Have a look at verse 28 again. Click that page back over. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary. And is understanding some can fathom? A few can fathom? No, it's no one. No one can fathom. No one can understand. That's how big our God is. That's how much higher and greater and better our God is. You know, sometimes children's songs just, just get it, don't they, in a simple way? Our God is a great big God. Yes, yes, he is. He, defines defini- he defies definition. He is incomprehensible. But at the same time, he is knowable. That's the shock of the story of the Bible. That's the truth that Isaiah 40 in context rests on. You see, God is incomprehensible, but he is knowable. How does that work? Well, we can't fully know God. God. But we can truly know God. Why is that? Why is that the case? Well, no, because God speaks. You see, if God didn't speak, we couldn't know him. you ever thought that? But Isaiah 40 shows us that God is knowable. God is speaking in Isaiah 40 to a people who need to know that he exists. A people who need to know that he's in control as the enemies approach their walls. Isaiah 40 also shows us that God's incomprehensibility, the fact we can't fully know him, prevents mysticism and agnosticism. The things that say we can't really know God so we can just kind of make it up as we go along. Or, well, maybe we can't know God so we might as well give up. So God is incomprehensible, yes, but that doesn't mean that we should try and turn elsewhere like the idols here. And that doesn't mean that it's pointless to try and know him. Instead, it means we should be humble. We should be humbled before such a great God. And in humility, we should receive everything that he has told us. We should be awestruck that God, who is so great that he defies incomprehensibility, would stoop down and take time to be in relationship with us. John Calvin, you may have heard of him refers to God as lisping, lisping to us as he speaks, lisping like a parent to a baby. We all do it. I've seen most of you do it to my daughter. That's like God speaking to us. But the thing is, he does. And as we begin to grasp, even in our most feeble grasp, who God is, it makes us all the more amazed at Jesus, the one who truly makes God known. The words of Isaiah 40 are quoted at the start of Mark. You might know that. And if you were in growth group this Wednesday, this is spoilers for Sam's group, this is for you next time. We saw this on Wednesday as well. This God, this incomprehensible God, who is coming to make things right in Isaiah 40, according to Mark, is seen in Jesus. If God is incomprehensible but knowable because he's spoken, well, that means we could trust him. If we truly believe what God says in Isaiah 40, then we should trust him with all things. There's a whole load of applications to us this week there, isn't there? In our evangelism, it means we can trust God to do his will. Maybe the person we're speaking to just isn't responding and we just can't understand why. Perhaps the person was responding and then they just suddenly disappeared spoke to me that this week in that particular situation. But you see, rather than worrying, we can trust that God knows what he's doing. And we can just get on with it. In our discipleship, in our relationship with one another, if God is incomprehensible, well, there's always more to know and always more to dwell on, isn't there? And we can trust God's character in every situation. In every situation and every time, God can be spoken of. And as a church, we can trust that God has everything in his hand. We've seen this before when we've asked how could this work out for good. And we're certainly going to see that again. Jim Packer, or you might know him as J.I. Packer, speaks of how this affects us. And he sums up the topic well when he says, the truest expression of trust in a great God will always be worship." And it will always be proper worship to praise God for being far greater than we can know. God is incomprehensible. And that's a good thing. God is truly knowable. And that is a great thing. So let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are incomprehensible. Father, thank you that you are greater than we can even imagine. Would you help us to see areas in our lives where we don't believe that to be true? Would you show us areas in our lives where that truth really speaks into? And Father, would we praise you all the more for knowing what you're like? Amen. Well, there you are. Hope it was useful. Get on praising God the rest of this week. But there is only one God who can save the day. The stage prepare the way cause heaven and earth are singing. Glory, hallelujah. Let the whole world see the great-